So the question we asked yesterday, just how much higher will US bonds go? Well, the answer today is more today than yesterday. So again, where does it all end? Higher than expected job openings have pushed yields even higher with the rising US dollar pushing everyone else down. So does that increase the chance of a move by the RBA? Do they need to keep up with the Fed, for example? It has been another crazy day, showing that maybe we haven't reached the top of Table Mountain just yet. It's Wednesday, the 4th of October, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is a little higher this morning. It's up 0.1% on the DXY. The dollar is up 0.7% on the Japanese yen. Uh, The Aussie taking the biggest hit, though. That is down 1%. Quite a disproportionate fall, getting below 63 US cents overnight. The pound managing to hold its own with the US dollar. Just about the same for the euro. Uh, So how much of this is to do with bond yields? Quite a bit, I think, because 10-year treasuries up yesterday are up again another 12 basis points today up to 4.8 percent hitting another post 2007 high today canadian 10 years today up 23 basis points that makes the rise in uh, europe seem fairly mild uh, just five basis points for german 10-year bonds up three basis points for 10-year gilts but that takes them to 4.6 percent not quite the highest it's been uh, for the year so far but heading back up there aussie 10-year yields this morning they're at 4.65 percent on futures that is 11 basis points up on there at the end of the day yesterday a day when yields rose five basis points so a sizable move particularly since the start of the month 10-year yields were at 4.01 percent then so 64 basis points higher uh, quite a move and equity markets uh, continue to feel the effect of this drive for yields the nasdaq closed down at 1.8 percent today 1.3 percent off the s&p 500 and the dow in europe the dax and the euro stocks 50 closed one percent down half a percent for the FTSE 100 and oil has climbed back a bit, 0.7% added to WTI, almost at $90 a barrel. Brent up 0.4%, over $91 now. So we'll start with the same question as yesterday. Just how high will bond yields in the US go? I asked it yesterday. Let's try again with Nabs Rodrigo Catrill in Sydney, because uh, what we do know is today's higher than it was yesterday. So, Rodrigo, if we go back to 2002, I mean, 10-year yields were never below 5%. Unless, you know, we go back to the to the late 60s. Is there a chance in all of this that we are going back to to a new normal? Ah, um, morning, Phil. Um, well, you asked me two questions there. So that the, um, the, the first question is how high can they go? Well, uh, during cycles and rate cycles, it's not unusual to see the 10 year rate reach the level of the cash rate. Um, so, you know, levels yep. above 5%, or even 5, you know, 530, 550, uh, on that basis are not unreasonable. Um, particularly now that um, the resilience of the US economy and um, the, the continuation of these data surprises, if you like, and we need to talk about the jolts um, from overnight, um, tells yep. you that this, this higher for longer is, is the new mantra and therefore. Um, we need to see that 10-year rate to, to readjust to, towards that. So, um, um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't, it's not unreasonable to, to, to suggest that 10-year, 30-years could get above 5%. And, you know, we have to add the fact that this time around, we also have this whole fiscal story that is adding to, to the push-up in, in terms of the term premium, given how much borrowing the, the, the U.S. has to incur in order to, you know, um, make up for that deficit. So, Overall, um, uh, the data, the resilience of the data, uh, the fiscal story, as well as um, dynamics around the rest of the world, 
suggests that um, there's still uh, the risk that uh, global yields could could push a little bit higher. And, and linked to that, we we, we got to talk about the BOJ and and what's happened with with mm. the yen. Yes, we've got a lot to cover today, haven't we? So, I mean, the second part of that question was, how far does it come down again? But maybe that's a, a question for another day or for a weekend. But once we're comfortably over 5%, do we, you know, do we ever imagine that we're going to get down to, you know, 1% or 1.5% or even, you know, th- you know, are we going to get below 3%, for example? But pa- perhaps that's a, a question for another day. Let's look at why it's happened today. It's the jolts, as you say, the job openings data in the US earlier today. The July number was revised up slightly, but the August number way higher and well above expectations. In fact, 800,000 more job openings than expected. This was a bolt from the blue. It was. Um, and then also worth noting that we had seen those kind of lower trends uh, in, in recent months. I think it was six out of the past seven months we've seen, uh, you know, a, a move lower. And, and yet this this has gone the other way. There are some seasonality issues around July and August that makes it complicated, uh, which is worth highlighting. Um, but certainly the, there's quite a lot in, in, in the numbers. Um, and the one thing to, to note is um, the increase in professional business services, which was um, almost... 70% of the number, so the increase of half a million there, 509,000, just on, on that part of the sector of the economy. Finance and insurance added another 100 or close to 100, and the government uh, added another just below 100 as well. So um, what is interesting, though, is that despite the, the rise in openings, we've, we've seen uh, the vacancies to unemployment uh, ratio really marginally unchanged, so 151 from 153 in July. Um, and also what we've seen is that um, the increase in the unemployment rate in August uh, was largely a consequence or, or an outcome of an increase in participation. Um, and then what we're seeing at the moment is that um, there's, there's more workers looking for jobs, but they can't find them. So that, that speaks a little bit to that, that skill mismatch um, story that is, is emerging from the U.S. We would need to see more data points, uh, but certainly that, that's one of the takeaways from, right. from so the this, data. So this could add, if there's, more job, if there's more jobs, though, I mean, now we might see that mismatch fixed. You know, there might be more people who can find work because there's job openings in, in their industry that didn't exist before, perhaps. Well, perhaps, but also the, the quits rate uh, um, it has held steady at 2.3 so it means you're not yeah. changing jobs mm. because the job out there is not the mm. one that you, you you can do or it's it's good for you so um that that's again suggests that there's an issue around skill mismatch but um uh, more data points will be mm. needed to to kind of confirm that that theory if you like um overall though it just suggests that um you know we've seen a little bit of weakness in the labor market in the u.s um but this suggests that that a trend of weakening is is very slow, and and overall the the labour market is still pretty pretty tight. Um, and therefore, the conclusion will be yeah. that, at a minimum, uh, this idea that the Fed will hold for longer is certainly being vindicated, and and it also increases the risk that maybe they have to do more. Yeah, hence uh, yields higher today, which has pushed yep. the US dollar higher. Uh, the Aussie dollar is paying the price, particularly, of course, after the RBA yesterday, keeping rates on hold at 4.1%. I mean, there's still this expectation that perhaps there's going to be another hike before the end of the year, though, isn't there? There is. It hasn't actually changed that much when, when I look at the um, uh, Bloomberg pricing. So it's still uh, around uh, 13 basis point price for uh, December, and, and that hasn't actually moved that much. So mm. so the market's still kind of showing that 
reluctance to, to to increase the prospects of another hike. Uh, but certainly it's this idea that you're pushing out um, the prospects of rate cuts. Um, so again, sort of um, pricing or moving towards what the Fed has been calling, which is this idea that you hold higher for longer. So uh, if the Fed keeps rates higher or pushes higher and the RBA doesn't want to do that, I mean, are we going to see that, that that strength in the US dollar, which is hurting the Aussie dollar, I mean, is that a reason enough for the RBA to actually say, well, you know, okay, perhaps we do have to follow the Fed? Yeah. Um, and if you remember when, when the RBA started hiking again, they highlighted a few issues or reasons for the hiking. Of course, inflation, services inflation being one concern, the increasing house prices. And then they also talked about the weakness of the Aussie dollar. Um, so now today we have the Aussie playing or toying with this idea of breaking below 63 cents. The RBA yesterday stayed on hold. Despite the fact that, you know, we, we thought that there was at least an argument there to sound a little bit more hawkish, given how uh, that surprise that we had or strength in the services inflation that we had from the monthly CPI reading, productivity source of very low. So again, was one of the issues that the BA has been highlighting around the concern of, of the, um, you know, they, they want to stay on hold, but if productivity doesn't improve, then it will, it will force the hand. And certainly the, the, the Q2 numbers suggest that productivity is not improving quickly enough. Um, so um, so there was plenty of arguments for the RBA to sound a little bit more hawkish, and yet the statement was almost a carbon copy of the previous month. Uh, there was a little bit of a small word change around inflation and concerns coming from oil prices, uh, but overall it wasn't significant enough. And, and, and as you say, um, if the Fed continues to hike or if the Fed remains very hawkish um, and, and the currency continues to weaken, uh, it certainly will be yet one more reason for well, the RBA to hike. Yeah, well, you say 63. I mean, it got down to 62.87. I mean, not for long, but uh, I mean, it hasn't been this low since last October. Say it gets down to 62. I mean, we're in territory then where apart from, you know, co- the height of COVID, it's not been down to that level since 2003. So uh, and then the euro as well, now below... 105 to the US dollar. Uh, I mean, mid July it was up above 112. November last year, we were at or below parity for a spell. I mean, it, there is a risk, isn't there, that the, the euro might actually be heading back there? Yes, certainly. And um, and on that, we had Philip Lane talking uh, overnight and reminding us that, that the job is not yet done and that there's more work is needed. Uh, but certainly, um, given um, you know the last meeting and, and the messaging from the last meeting, um, the market is thinking, well, the ECB is very close, if not at the peak of the, the tightening cycle. Um, uh, so you will have to see a little bit of change in rhetoric coming from other central banks to support the currency and, and, and to prevent the risk of inflation coming from that from that angle. Yeah, well, the other thing uh, Philip Lane was saying was uh, don't pay too much attention to December. Everyone seems to be focused on whether they're going to hike in December. He said, you know, it, it could, if they don't lift rates then, then it could be next March, <laughs> it could be next June. Uh, could go so up, could go down. Could be. Uh, so, you know, more uncertainty, basically. But it sounds like he's trying to say, you know, we can be as hawkish as the Fed. So please don't keep selling the euro. We uh, we want to see some strength remaining there. Look, another currency, obviously, which has taken a hit today uh, because they have no intention of lifting rates anytime soon, uh, the Bank of Japan. Uh, what's been happening to the yen today? Yeah, so we saw the, the, the I think this line has been used so many times, but the, the, the market has been jolted by the, the jolts report. Yeah, but um, it also today. triggered a move up in, in dollar yen to above 150. And then all of a sudden we saw dollar yen collapse very quickly. Um, uh, I think it reached the low of 147.43. 
So it was a very big move and sudden move, um, triggering the speculation that maybe um, uh, the uh, Japanese authorities, the MOF, had told the BOJ to interfere. Um, there hasn't been yet a confirmation around that, uh, but certainly, um, you know, the fact that it's moved above 115 uh, also may have triggered um, some uh, option, uh, options there. So it's, it's hard to tell at the moment whether there has been intervention. Typically, they, they don't tell you straight away. Um, and sometimes you need to wait until the, the end of the month to see that report and to see if, whether there has been any intervention from the uh, Ministry of Finance. Uh, but overall, it just helps as a, re as a reminder that you know, they, um, the MOF can uh, intervene. Um, you know, fundamentally, you, you could argue that there's no, um, there, there are plenty of reasons why the yen is weaker because of the policy that the central bank is implementing in Japan. Um, but intervention uh, on its day has an effect, um, but it doesn't actually stop that weakness uh, unless fundamentals change. So to us, uh, you know, dollar yen still will, is likely to retest that level of 150. Um, given, you know, what's going on in the US, given the, the, the Bank of Japan is likely to remain unchanged for now in terms of its policy. Yeah, well, someone else likely to be unchanged today is the RBNZ. A rate hike isn't likely there. Uh, the economy not in great shape. Plus, of course, there's an election just around the corner. So the, the central bank wouldn't do that to the government, obviously, would they? Well, there's a general feeling there that you know, they're more likely than not to, to stand pat. Um but again, the messaging will be important. Um, um, they, they may raise some concerns around uh, potentially inflation coming from energy and as well as the currency, um, and maybe highlight the risk that as much as they think that they've done enough, uh, that there's a prospect therefore to do more. Um, and and I think if anything, the, the RBNC has been very clear that the main concern is uh, you know uh, inflation or too too elevated inflation, and that they will do anything to to stop it. Um, and a slowdown in the economy is not a reason enough not to hike. Um, so, and, and certainly they've shown that uh, so far in terms of how aggressive they've been. So, um, yeah, so the, the risk of today is not so much of a, a rate change, but rather a change in the wording to sound a little bit more hawkish, which, for instance, the RBA didn't do, although they had the ammunition or the reasons to do so. Well, the next thing that could move markets, I mean, potentially more than jolts, the US ISM Services Index. So if that is an upside surprise on top of those jolts numbers, then high yields, high, S, high US dollar, is it going to be today all over again? I mean, the expectation is that it would drop. But that's what everyone thought in these numbers uh, back in August, and it was up. Yeah, and, and the jaws were meant to be weaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and then you have non-farm payrolls on Friday, and again, uh, an upward surprise there will further fuel the, this move up in yields. Um, and even from a technical perspective, you look at 10-year yields, and you know they still have room to, to head higher. So certainly the risk from here is still that we see further um, uh, increasing longer-dated yields, so that's steepening of the curve. Uh, it still has room to, to, to go. Yeah. A month or two back, did you think we'd be here where we were still talking about yields getting higher? Um, well, there, there was that combination of, of the conditions for um, for the Fed to, to start changing its tune. And, and, and the concern at the time was that uh, the labor market in particular uh, continued to, to show this resilience. Um, so the, uh, in terms of the scenarios, if you like, it's very, very difficult to forecast these things, but there's certainly that central scenario that inflation was going to come down, allowing the Fed to, you know, start easing his hawkish rhetoric. Um, but yet, um, whilst there was slowdown in the, in the data, um, we, the labor market continued to show resilience and, and the consumer as well. So, so certainly it was, it was on the cards in terms of the risk. And, um, and, you know, history also shows you that 10 year yields, 
uh, tend to, you know, reach those levels that the cash rate uh, peak reaches as well. So there was always that risk that we, we could see what is unfolding at the moment. All right. Well, look, the word is certainly uncertainty, isn't it? It's still around for us uh, every day. Brings new surprises. Uh, good to talk, Rodrigo. Catch you again soon. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. Definitely a day of surprises, wasn't it? Uh, maybe there'll be another one today. Who knows? That's it for the morning call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening.